everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Hello and welcome along to episode 17 of LOI Central in association with futureticketing.ie. On this show, we're going to reflect on the defeat of Shamrock Rovers in Bratislava. We're going to look ahead to Bohemians and Sligo Rovers' visits to Iceland with an uh, interview with Keith Long before the big game over there. We're going to also hear from Vinnie Perth, who made revelations that some of his players have contracted COVID ahead of their visit against, or their game rather, against Newtown in the Conference League. And uh, as ever, you'll find us wherever you find your podcasts. Only one place to start, and unfortunately, um, Shamrock Rovers really. I suppose the only positive is it should have been three, if not four nil, and they might come back to Tallow with some sort of a chance of beating Sloven Bratislava, but they were pretty much beaten out the gate tonight. And um, yeah, we spoke about, you know, I guess what strength there is and depth there is in the league this season. Um, Shamrock Rovers were really, really second best. So you're, we don't think Shells would have taken them, no? Uh, Sloven Bratislava. I mean, it's... it's That was Selly, yeah, wasn't it? <laughs> I know, but mm. it's like, you know, the, the Champions League games... Are are challenging, you know. Um, as much as Celia weren't weren't a great side, really, but it just goes to show at that stage, people would tell Rovers would have done this and people would have done that. I mean, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's a it's a it's it's a it's a tough round, you know, that that round and uh, Rovers like, yeah, they just they they just. They were just okay, you know, that they were just okay. And as Stephen Bradley said himself, it was game over if if Manus hadn't saved the penalty. Um, and it's fair enough. And obviously he had the save from voice minutes earlier. Now, to be fair, the two chances came from Rovers attacking, but I mean Slovan just were happy to soak things up um and, and wait for that to, to happen and, and and it came their way. I think like the disappointing thing really is that Rovers, I mean, they had the very early chance from Gannon. Um, it was actually a great chance, really. Um, but even you know they had a fair bit of ball in the second half, and they just didn't really look like cutting them open. And no one, my uh, my my instinctive thought was watching it is like you just honestly have made this point before, but Rovers have looked good in, in Europe previously, but they had Jack, Jack Byrne on their side, and having Jack Byrne on their side is so, such a such a weapon because they needed exactly that type of player tonight. And just well, to, to knit things together a bit, you know, to, between the sort of, you know, hardworking midfield and the front two that they went with, and they just didn't really have the the bridge there just to to really to really unsettle Slovan in any great way. To be honest, you know, and it was they were. Oh, I'm not going to say well beaten, but and they were well beaten. Yeah, no, I think no, listen. It was comfortable enough, really. For they didn't get out of the second gear in the second half. And in fairness to Rovers, they wouldn't have played that team, starting team. Like bringing in Richie Towell for me, like was only a product of the fact that other players weren't fully fit because he's not fully up to speed. They would could badly do with someone like with the quality of Neil Farouja. Um, you know, and central midfield was an issue. You know, Ronan Finn being in central midfield. At that sort of level now, I think it's challenging for him as much as he didn't have a bad game. That wasn't like there was there were alarms with the teams, the team I think he, he played. And when he brought the three guys in the triple substitution, three really good players, it's kind of a reflection of the fact that they weren't really ready to play. But at that stage, they didn't have any pace either. There was no real pace in the team. So it was so comfortable for Radislava. That was that was the problem, Dan. Yeah, I mean, this is the one thing we're not there and we can't we can't uh maybe fully bring home what impact the conditions had. I mean, there was obviously water breaks in the games, in the game, and like it did look quite draining, 
you know, mm-hmm. and I think and I think I think sort of um to be fair, like, but the flip side of that is that Slovan are in pre-season, you know, mm-hmm. and he would have hoped maybe that later on in the game, you know, Rovers might have uh, might have shown the benefit of that. And I think we're saying that you say Slovan were in second gear. I, I think it was more a case as well that they were they were conserving their energy well, making subs. They were very you know comfortable in, in the game rather than sort of coasting it because they did you know they Robert at times looked capable of putting them under pressure. But honestly, their final ball and just the, the in the final third it was it just wasn't there really, and it was sort of I mean you mentioned the subs and I I know what you're saying, but even a couple of them like. You know their touches were weren't terrific mm. and weren't great. Mm. And listen, I wouldn't. I don't know if everyone was fit. I, I think Tal, I think Tal is going to be a big player for Rovers. He was taking free kicks early. You know, taking responsibility. I, I'd say there's every chance he would have played in every scenario, perhaps. But maybe they might have done, done things slightly different. But he said after um, the game, Brad is another way. I mean, they did start with a front two. You know that he's kind of he needs to get up to speed because he hasn't been playing um, football. I think bringing in a player. No, like, I, I I get I get that. But there was obviously a tactical decision made as well, like to go with the front two, mm. you know, to go with the front two of Gaffney and Green, which is obviously like a, a positive, you know, it's probably a, a positive move. But I just, you know, I don't know. It, it could they have got 60 minutes out of Watts potentially um, and, and then even had an option to bring on later in the game. You mentioned there was no pace to come on later in the game and maybe... You know, I, th- I thought Green struggled, whereas maybe later on in the match, you know, he, he might have asked a few more questions coming in with energy. But listen, it's easy to say that from, from this remove. And, and to be fair, you're, you're probably right that we don't know 100% the full physical picture of the, the players, but it just sort of felt, um, I don't know, it just didn't, it was it was a positive move, but it just felt they didn't really have the, the guy. But listen, they were looking for, when they were looking to, they were trying to have a look at Anthony Stokes. I think, they probably could do another type of striker there um, mm. in their squad. Um, and I just didn't really have that. I just didn't have a sort of an explosive ability to really just to, to elevate the game to another level. So it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, I, I still think, you know, back at home next Tuesday, they'll have a 1,500 fans there. It's only two goals. Ironically enough, the fact that the, the away goals rule is gone is a good thing for them now because... You know, in normal times, say a Slovan goal would absolutely kill it next week. Whereas yeah. it's not Slovan are going to be trying to win a game. Well. Like they, they will think that the game. Have, to, have to try and win a game with two goals. I, well, I don't know. I mean, if any of them who were there two years ago when they played Dundalk, I'm not sure if they will be. I think that's sort of reversing to cliche. They'll be complacent. I, and they I'm will. Not so sure they're they're two nil up, I mean, and they were so comfortable in the game. They'll be like, "We've nothing to fear here." Let's they, obviously. Okay, they're not going to say that. In the uh, press no, I, I, I know don't what happened I, in Tala, but I they're, they're going to think the job is done yeah, pretty much. I I don't think they will. I honestly don't think they will. I, I don't. I don't. I honestly don't think with the value that Champions League football has for these clubs that they're capable of just being one hundred percent complacent. I think. I think Rovers can still feel. There's ways in which they can cause them problems. I don't think Slovan is just going to come and think that's it. That's that. That's that. But they've had a disastrous European record in recent years in terms of being done in games they shouldn't have lost. So mm. I mean, if they do that, it's unforgivable. Um, I just don't. I just don't think. I, I think honestly, that's just sort of a variant stereotype. Thinking that might be the case. I really don't think that. 
Um, I think that would even do a disservice to Rovers if they were capable to suggest if they have any joy in the game that that would be the reason. I think, I think it's more a case really that Rovers, I think, just need to, I don't know, just try and try and. Josh, you know at times like we talked about Rovers being a very good possession side at home, but but sometimes it was just very safe and it wasn't really hurting them in any way, you know. Um, and and maybe at times in the first half they then didn't make it stick in the right areas and they were keeping the ball maybe in, in other areas of the pitch, but not really in such a way that was it was it was really you always felt they were sort of two or three passes away from being in trouble, and I think. I think even just the manner of the first goal would second them as well. But it was oh, and the second. Both you know, the goals were like, just... A simple diagonal. But this, mm-hmm. but this is what happens with our clubs in Europe sometimes, you know. Like, it's they concede goals that they look terrible. I think they wouldn't concede that goal normally. But, you know, sometimes it's because the pressure that they're put under. Like, you know, Slovan would, would have pressed Rovers in a way that other teams just aren't capable of doing in our mm-hmm. league. And mm. as a result, you see, you see players who, who look top class in our league just make mistakes that they wouldn't normally make because of the, 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 the pressure of the opponent. And that is always a challenge going into European competition. That is, there's, there's no way of um, preventing that really until we develop a much, much more competitive league um, where, where those questions are asked on a regular basis. Yeah, um, obviously a 2-0, you know, Shamrock was scoring the first half and Tala there. They're, those players that came off the bench will be that bit fitter next week. You never know, um, and I think they can play an awful lot better. But um, you know, there was obviously an issue with the streaming as well, which made me curse the fact that RT didn't have the game on. But afterwards, I was kind of happy that they didn't have the game on because it was just a real struggle and it was a hard watch in the second half. But we shall see. Um, let's get to uh, Vinnie Perto. Vinnie Perto obviously back over Dundalk. Um, Dundalk in action against Welsh opposition uh, tomorrow, probably today, as you're listening to this. And uh, Vinnie was talking. Because we this is recorded earlier, he was talking about kind of COVID breaches, so we didn't really get into that. We got into other issues in the press conference today ahead of the game against Newtown in the Conference League. Genuinely, I mean, there's a lot of noise around our club over the last number of, of months, and some of it is, is rightly deserved. But the one thing that surprised me, to be honest, and what surprised me is the level of of standard of the players we have in the football club. So I think I think this is an opportunity. Um, we've seen we've seen that my first team was probably the first team I picked against Longford. It was effectively an Irish-based side, and I've slowly introduced people into the team when I found out about them on the training ground and in match situations. So it's no different tomorrow. I think we'll see. Uh, um, I think we've seen the emergence of someone like Sonny Nadestat as somebody who, in my eyes, is as good as most centre halves in this country, and I think he can only improve with more games at this level. I think he's a real find. We've seen him with Roy Vizyakovskis um, at right full. For me, he's the best right full in the country. So there has been positives. Um, and this is an opportunity for other guys now over the next week get an opportunity to get some game time and show why they came to the club. We've got good players in our club. I guess that's the thing. A lot of them did kind of sign with this in mind that these days would come. Yeah, I suppose. Listen, Dundalk... Um, and and some of them have said it to me. I've had long chats with a lot of players. Some of them have said to me, Dundalk is a is a effectively a brand in Europe when it comes to European football. That's what has what what has been achieved in this club over the last sort of eight years. So it was a selling point to them. Um, I think to be fair to to the signings, particularly 
I don't know the right word is imported players that they're, they're footballers. They're not, you know, we, we all live in this world now where we, we put tags on people, foreigners imported, they're footballers. And they've come into this club and it hasn't been stable for them and they, they haven't had a chance to shine. But what I've tried to do is create a bit of stability and give these guys a chance to shine. And they're all excited by Dundalk and European football. Uh, but it's been a difficult experience for them. So maybe maybe these European games give them a bit of freedom to, to go and express themselves. What, what does it feel like to be back, I guess, 12 months on? Because like, before your last game last year, you were sort of taking it on the chin and you said it was your responsibility that they didn't play well. Um, and now you're back uh, back in European football 12 months later. Yeah, I'm not sure if I said because we didn't play well. I think maybe I did. You, you'll catch me out on that one. But I think... I think what, what the point I was making was my responsibility that we lost the game. I thought we actually played excellent on that day. Sorry, yeah. Would say it. So, um, what is it like to be back? It, it is different. It's a different football club than the one I left. And it's something that um, we, we have to, sort of, as I said, steady the ship and, and rebuild. Uh, if, if that can be done, we don't know yet. So, over time. But, listen, I, I'm a football person, if that's even a word. And, to be involved or managing any League of Ireland club, um, I'm something I'd be really proud of. I grew up watching it. Um, I remember on, on Sundays listening to the great uh, Gabriel Egan, listening out for results around the league. So I'm very proud to be sitting in this position of manager of a League of Ireland club. And there's probably no better moment than bringing a, a, a football team into Europe to represent your country. So it's a very proud, proud moment for me. Yeah, just just finally, the opposition. Um, I think it's fair to say Dundalk are probably like favourites going into it, but obviously you'll be wary of them. Yeah, I, I understand the favourites tag, and I'm not trying to uh, belittle that in any way. But I think I think we're in a difficult situation. Dundalk of 2019 and 20 would have been definitely favourites for this week. It's very hard to, to to know too much about them. They've got um, real experienced players. Um, Real people have been around the, that level for a long time, and and they certainly be more of a unit than, than we will. I would think. Again, they have COVID issues, and I don't know, I don't know who who's ready for them and who's not. Um, so it's a difficult game uh, to be a big, strong, physical team. Set pieces, they're a big threat. The two centre halves are uh, really good players, and um, the, it it is an opportunity for us. But I would imagine they see this as a real opportunity for them if they've been looking at our, our current league form. Yeah, Dan, it's uh, far too kind of too much time and we can't really preempt what's going on with COVID, but uh, this is all very mad. And um, it looks like both these teams effectively are going to be um, hit with COVID essentially anyway. But I mean, essentially Dundalk should be winning a tie like this, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, listen, I understand where Vinny's coming from there at the end mm. about, you know, Newtown being a bit of a unit. And that is one of the things about the, the Welsh League teams. And actually, some of them have got have had decent results in recent years, um, sort of decent one-off results. I mean, it was Connors Key who beat Kilmarnock there two years ago, I think it was. Um, just that Newtown are lowly enough yeah. in terms of how they, how they got into it. And really, like, you would think... Now, listen, this COVID case at the top, we, you know, we're, we're recording this now on Wednesday. I, I can't imagine the players will be named... Um, and, you know, it, maybe it'll become clear when we see the team sheet, but certainly my understanding of it, like certainly a couple of players you would expect to start have been affected and, mm. and others who you would expect to be in, around the squad and be involved. So, like, it, it's definitely a blow. But the one thing you would say about Dundalk at the moment, they do have squad depth. 
you know. Um, what would they like to nice? in, in attacking areas. Well, the thing about Friday night is, um, I have to say, I saw the dog play against Drada, uh, the 1 0 win up there, and I saw them play on Friday night. I thought they were better on Friday night than they were in the Drada game, even though they won the Drada game. I, Drada mm. thought, they were, thought they were bang average in Drada, to be honest. Um, but I, I think, considering, like, I mean, you have to say, like, I mean, the penalty decision that went against them at 1 0 was a disgraceful decision. And, like, I, I didn't. I mean, this is the thing. I, I I try to be sympathetic to referees because I I needed to see a replay, you know, and and you know to to, to be sure. And I think it was James Rogers who who posted up the still at like twelve o'clock that night, and it's it's great to see it at twelve o'clock that night and be definitive. But but obviously the decision needed to be made at ten past eight or whenever it was, and it was such an awkward one. And I and I really do think that uh, referees are human and. They are influenced sometimes by their previous decisions in games. And Dundalk's first goal came from a slip from Towel that could have been a foul, but wasn't a foul. And it was almost an identical situation with Scales. And I just wonder if in some parts mm. of the head, does the ref think, well, maybe that first one was a foul? You know, surely this couldn't have happened again, almost, you know? And But if Dundalk had obviously slotted that penalty in a 2-0, it's a very different discussion. And I thought they started the game... Uh, reasonably well and like when they play they had a sort of a couple of 10-15 minute spells of really good quality that reminds you this is a team that, that should be up there um, and yeah. the second half they were poor there's no doubt and um, but not like you know like not sort of a shambles or anything like that just just not just not great um, and obviously the injury to the sluggish affected them um, and the loss of Shields affected them. And and we'll see if McElhenney goes. I know Vinny wasn't mad on talking about that today. Um, and I think in some respects, a lot of this is out of his hands, um, you know, in terms of wage bill decisions that have been made. Um, although McElhenney certainly is one, I think, who um, will be known if was quite keen to go. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not sure if the change of management really would have, influ- you know, would have convinced him to stay. But they, we've spoken about this before. Like, there's obviously different opinions that exist. Um, and I think to be fair, you know, Vinny's in some respects he's got a bit of a tune out of them. Um, they do tend to turn it on in Europe as well. Like you just. But this is the thing. Through. Like European experience, really. Like, I mean, the dog have to be favourites for this game, and I understand want to play things down. And obviously, you know, the, the the COVID thing is disruptive. But like, you're, you're talking about players in that dressing room who, okay, a lot of the old timers or some of the times have left, but it's someone like Andy Boyle or. McMillan or some of these characters, you know, but because they've had group stage games, um, like they've played probably over 30 games in, in Europe, you know, in European yeah. competition. And I did hear on the right point, certainly, that, oh, you know, that, um, you know, they get through this. They have a, an Estonian team, Levadia, they've played before, who actually are having a good season, or a team from Gibraltar. Like, all of a sudden, there's a, there is a chance for them if they if they click and hit their best form that they can get through these ties. I think I think they do have the ability to turn it on for certain games, which is obviously very frustrating uh, for yeah. people who followed them that they're not consistent enough. Um, but you you would think um, some of the players they've brought in, um, like they they they've, they've they've spent a fair bit of money on them, and if they contribute towards a win that can. Um, you know, get them two hundred grand in, in the bank extra on top of what they're coming. You get the sense that this is all very important in terms of what's going on with the club. As much as no one will say it, you know, two hundred k extra in the bank, and if they get through another round, four hundred k, it can just help them with certain 
situations uh, around the future that are ongoing there. Um, you know, it'll be an injection of cash that I mean, the UEFA tend to be paying a little bit quicker. We'll get that in later this year, and maybe it softens in what feels is going to be an inevitable loss recorded this year. So if anything that can sort of soften that might help in terms of the broader debate about what happens with that club, you know, or or maybe the cash flow position that that they're exploring at the end of the year, even if they are looking the ownership to, to pass it on. So these are big matches for them. Now, no doubt as well, there's incentivized contracts and stuff as well. Mm. Uh, that, 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 that's been their nature in recent years in the club. Uh, and that is an incentive for people. Um, it's human nature. So I'd, I'd expect a performance from them, notwithstanding the interruptions that they've had. I'd be hugely disappointed if they didn't get through this tie. In fact, it'd be pretty embarrassing um, if they didn't. So, um, but you must say the disruption they've had um, is is uh, you know is very unfortunate. And um, but in some respects, levels the playing field because Newtown have had one as well. Yeah, Vinny did reference a few uh, previous Irish visits to Wales, which ended in utter humiliation. So at least, uh, oh, Carmarthen, I was yeah, there, Johnny. I was yeah. there. That was one of my one of my first um, one of my first League of Ireland European trips. Was that one? Um, and actually, there's a new town aspect to it. It was myself and two other journalists, Paul Butner and Gary Doyle. Uh, we we went over. We stayed in Cardiff, and uh, we we got the sat nav and went pointed the car towards a new town. And off we drove. The Paul Butner is a journalist who likes to be early for games. So I think the game was around seven o'clock, um, and we uh, I think we got there around. We were aiming to get there around two, um, but we ended up going. We ended up, but, but like until we ended What's up. What's he going to do for five hours, like? I, I mean, he's a he's a pro, Johnny. Yeah. So we ended up we ended up, but it all went drastically wrong when it turns out we were going to the wrong new town, and we discovered this. That this was a different time where we didn't necessarily have the. So and you got there four Google. hours before kickoff. Well, no, so so no, it ended up like it was the other end of the country. You wouldn't think Wales is that big, but we we made it very big that day, and we ended up <laughs> stopping for directions in some place. I'll never forget it. Going into um, went into a shop in the middle of like rural Wales. And I rang, you know, the way you, you go in the door of the shop and the bell sort of yeah. rings on the other side. And I went in and I just stood there for five minutes and there was just nobody in the shop. Like, I mean, I could have taken anything I wanted. And I, I ended up having to go back out to the car and say, like, like, that's just basically a deserted shop in there. There's nothing they can do. Now, but at this stage, it was getting pretty stressed. We ended up getting, I think, there like around half an hour before kickoff and um, having to park and get to the ground, having to, having to walk you know, to the ground. Then the game was an absolute catastrophe. There was quite a few Longford fans there. They lost 5-1. I think the last goal, Stephen O'Brien got done, you know, at the halfway line. He was dispossessed. Um, and I'll always remember, because um, uh, uh, Matthews was the manager, and I'll always remember, like, uh, a local reporter in the stands uh, after the game, like, you know, roaring abuse at Matthews, going, that's oh, a disgrace, Matthews, it's a disgrace. And then, like around five minutes later, then outside the tunnel, and he talks in the game, Alan. You know your reflections <laughs> on that. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> so, like, I mean, it's, it's a funny, uh, it's, it's a funny one. And, and Alan Kirby came out afterwards, and his post-match quotes were electric. Was like, this is why none of us are playing in England, which was like, you know, mm. sort of a, a. So, I don't think it can go any worse than the the Carmarden one. I mean, TNS obviously for Bows is a bit of a. Um, you know, it's it's like sort of uh, well, yeah. 
it's a dirty it's a dirty word for bows, and we should probably move on to them because I segue there. Um, um I was just gonna yeah. say one man I wouldn't be shouting abuse at is Keith Long. He just has that kind of stare in his eyes, but he was in great mm. form at the Bowes presser pre-game. Um Keith, just coming off the game in Hungary last year when you came off the pitch and you reflected on it, um, and obviously you pushed them so close. I know this wasn't like proper European experience in terms of a hostile crowd, but how much was the plan then? Like, we want more of this. We want to be back at this stage. We want to win games at this level 12 months on. Yeah, it would have been brilliant, Johnny, because I thought I thought we were very, very good over there last year. Like, people don't realise how good Fehav are, what good a side they are. They had four internationals in the Hungarian squad. Uh, one of them, Fiola, scored against uh, um, France. Um, you know, really decent side with large budget, and we went over there and we we more than matched them. Um, um, brought them to a, a penalty shootout, and we're a width of a post away from going through. Um, in a in a one-legged game, so um, yes, it was different because there was no no supporters um, in, in the stadium, but but it was a brilliant experience for for the players. Um, Many of those players have, have, have since moved on from the club. So, um, but we felt that it would be an, an unbelievable experience. It was really important that we re, we, we, we got into Europe again mm. as a result of our league form last year. And I think, you know, for the development of this group, it would, it would be fantastic if we were to potentially progress a, around in Europe. There's great learnings, like I said, in every game. Uh, and, in you know, when you go step up a level in European, competition um you know to progress a level brings it will will for the development of this group will be fantastic and you mentioned recruitment then was there any case of like we look at these players with the view to how they will do when we get into europe or was was that is that too much no johnny i think uh, you're not a million miles off i think we wanted to evolve as a team um you know we we wanted to bring you know i suppose uh, better technical players to the club i mean we've, we've lost some fantastic players but but chris twardick was 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 direct and powerful mm. and full of pace whereas whereas liam for example is is different he's tricky he's a he's, a, he's an old-fashioned winger um uh he, he can go inside outside has beautiful balance you know has good end product uh danny grant was a was was a flying winger who, who who came on in leaps and bounds over the last twelve months and obviously got to move to a championship club in Huddersfield. Um, you know, Ali Coote is a different type of player. He, you know, he finds inside pockets, he finds little spaces, and and his use of the ball is 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 really really good. A good technical player. So they're different teams, different qualities, different strengths, and we wanted to evolve as a team and try and bring some better footballers into the club if we can to complement the ones that we retained and we already had at the club. And and it's been a work in progress. Where it's still not nowhere near um, the finished article. Um, but the emergence of the likes of Dawson Devoy this year, um, you know, uh, coupled with with the with the recruitment of the of the players that we've mentioned, uh, I think have seen the team evolve to a, a slightly more possession based uh, style of football. Um, or be it that there was nothing wrong with how we played last year because we were very, very effective last year, but we played to our strengths. This is a different group with different strengths and we're trying to play to their strengths right now. Yeah, and I know we're kind of on about the first leg, but just in terms of like Bowles playing the Viva Stadium, the quality of the goals on display last Friday. I mean, if you, if you, if, if League of Ireland fans could see that in, in, in a really nice stadium week in, week out, like it, it was like they were really top quality goals. And, you know, obviously all the players that you brought in the off season scored for you as well. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were good goals, and you know, um, 
Jason McClellan's goal was pretty decent mm. too, wasn't it? So probably uh, the best yeah, of the no, lot, yeah. yeah, maybe, yeah, may, maybe. Well, you know, it's very difficult <laughs> to do what Lane did at the pace that he did as well. Mm. You know what I mean? So, and 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 Georgie's finish was fantastic. And Tariq's, you know, free kick he has that in the in his locker. You know, so, um, it, yeah, of course. Listen, we get excited about um big games and Irish football, and 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 for for professional football in this country, I think it's really important that. You know, people understand what 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 we have here, the players that we have here. Yes, of course, we we need a you know a better platform to 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 highlight the the qualities that that the league possesses, and and next Thursday is an opportunity uh, to do that in front of uh, six thousand supporters. So um, it would be great if we have that high quality football on display, um, and and if we can go and do ourselves justice, really, Johnny, that's really important that. You know, we all want football in this country. We love football. You, you guys are watching the games every week and you report on the games and you want what's best for Irish football. And I think for all our teams in Europe, it's important that we, you know, for every metric, the coefficient, uh, you know, all that type of stuff, that's important that we try and make progression in the European competition. Um, and we'll be giving ourselves, hopefully, every chance to do that over the next two two games. Yeah, and, and just finally, in terms of... Um... The League of Ireland and the young coaches coming up now, and the, what yourself and your team have done at Bowes. Like, what do you make of the standard? And like, um, I guess they are an ambitious bunch as well, which I presume you are. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not that old, Johnny. I know I'm grey. You know, <laughs> you're I'm one of the best. Older than some league, of the younger yeah. coaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, listen, there's, I, I, I don't know, I, Johnny. Like, I mean, yeah, the, obviously the better coaching, the better players, the better co- level of coaching that players receive um, at academy level, uh, first team level, you know, it can raise the bar, raise all standards. I think that's really important that we need to have creative coaches. We need to have coaches, you know, that are ambitious, that, that, but, but also working with the best young players to, to, to help them and, and to aid their development, which in turn can help the you know, the senior um, teams at football clubs, um, you know, I think academy is a new word in Irish football. Um, um, I, I think clubs, uh, League of Ireland clubs, a lot of them are doing things well and a lot of things, a lot of clubs are trying to do things uh, correctly. Um, uh, but but unfortunately, some, some other clubs, which is, you know, they may not like to hear this, but they're not actually um, focusing on youth development as much as some of the other clubs are. Um, and if we're going to raise the standard and raise the bar, all clubs have the responsibility. You look at the weekend's results, I don't know whether, um, you know, if you look at the weekend results at academy level across the country, there's too much of a divide between clubs. Mm. And and um, if we really want the best playing with the best, that we have to make sure that that the top clubs are playing each other at youth level every week in order to, to, to aid their development, oh. to transition them hopefully into your first team. And there can't be score lines like seven or eight one, eleven uh, one, whatever it might be. Um, over 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 the the previous two weekends, the the academy mm. stuff has happened and started. So yes, you, you, your question was uh, ambitious coaches. We need young ambitious coaches working with our best young players, um, and also in the league to try and bring us all on to keep everybody, you know. Um, focus on 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 making sure that the professional game in this country is the best that it can be thanks keith i suppose dan just a couple of things from that zoom um keith long was in great form um it was it was kind of interesting to see the the interview took place with uh georgie kelly and you didn't realize that keith long was right beside him so it was kind of like uh 
I don't know, like uh, the principal beside you as you answered a few questions about how good the school was, like principal skill <laughs> or whatever, to the superintendent charmers. But um, they were in great form. And the other thing that I was just minded of the fact that when Galway played bows in preseason, I interviewed Keith Long after the game. And one thing he was saying was that he, don't, he didn't really think bows got enough kudos for how well they played last year. And it was a really good performance against obviously a strong fair of our side. And that would lead you to think that you know, they must have a good chance getting the job done in Iceland. Yeah, but also, as he said, I mean, there's been such a turnover of players that drawn form from one to the next is, is you know, questionable. But I, listen, what you do know is that it's going to be very well prepared both sides. I mean, I suppose yeah. it's just so different, though. It was one-legged last year, went to penalties. This is a two-legged game coming back to the Aviva. You know, as we've talked about with the Rovers game earlier, um you know, and, you know, with them dock, like, there's no, there's no away goal aspect to it. So, like, these are different ties in, in some respects, um, you know, in, in the normal language you would use. So, um, but they're, they're scoring goals at the moment, Bose, like, they're playing with real confidence, like, the, the sort of the front four players weren't there last year, and yet they, they found their groove. And um, we, we'll hear in a minute from our Icelandic colleagues, maybe about Sharna and just, you know, it's it's referenced that their form has has upgraded in recent weeks because at the time of the draw, it looked like a great draw for both. Mm. Um, but they they found a small bit of form, Sharnan. So we'll see how relevant that is. But I, I think it's you know the natural way that Bows play, um, and as Keith Long referenced with the possession uh, style that they're they're playing, and when you can use the void a bit deeper sometimes, like that should stand to them. But obviously, we've been up in Iceland before. Um, for games and the, it's a competitive league their league you know and um, it's it's you know um, these ties tend to be close and mm. I, I'd expect it would be more the same 8.30 Irish time kick off for that game by the way so anyone um, uh, availing of the stream or whatever like it's a uh, it's a late for 8.45 I think it is it's a uh, if any Bose fans out there are wondering why they have a very small coverage in Friday morning's papers, it is because it's an 8.45 kickoff time. It's a bit of a nightmare for turning stuff around for the old printed press. Um, but it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. Interesting points as well about the academy stuff. And it is true. Uh, you see Shamrock Rovers winning 11-2 at under-19 level at the weekend against Longford. Somebody that's, was texting me from the game. He's like, I was like, a one at halftime. Kevin Zeffi was playing against Longford. But I, I don't know the answer to this, Dan, because... Like we had Neil Finn on before and he was Longford manager and he was pointing out like that if we had all local Longford players, we'd be getting hockeyed in um, you know, an underage. But at the same time, they're obviously just it's just such a chasm between Longford, whoever they play in Shamrock Rovers. I don't know what the answer is. No, there's no easy answer. I mean, I suppose one argument would be to introduce divisions, you know, within the underage setup, like it, but obviously that could be that that could be very harsh on like say the say if there was an outstanding player in the Longford side or whatever and you know they're just playing regularly against second tier um teams like that that you know and, and listen they could just have an off day. I was up to watch Bowes under 17 play against Cork the week before last. And you know Bowes won four 0 and actually there was a there was a, you know Cork weren't great in that game and yet Cork's record in recent years at underage has been very good. So do you remember yourself you, you know, as a young footballer like much. Do you remember, did you ever play for RD or whatever and you took on, like, traditionally superior opposition? I remember for Shivan, like, Shivan Rovers, my club, playing against Merview and losing, like, 10-0 or something. Now, I'm not comparing it, but it was it was actually a horrible experience for a young player where you're, like, 
Jesus, we are so inferior to these. That's the end of my ambitions to ever be a footballer of any description. And it is actually like, it must be very hard for young players who think they're, they have a, a future in the game to be 8-1 down at half time or whatever it is. Yeah, it's funny. I actually remember, because um, I used to play for, I went through a phase of playing for two teams. So I played for like uh, Square United and RD as it was in the Meaden District League. But then I, Square I United? For, that was the name, named after a square, obviously, as opposed to a shape. And um, and then uh, the 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 uh, the uh, I played for a team with Dundalk occasionally on the on, on you know on the other day at the weekend. And I remember playing against Colin Larkin was his name. Right, he was the same age as me. He went to Wolves and played in the lower leagues in England. And it was just one of those things where it's like um, not quite as dramatic as me like discovering what the tennis standards were outside of uh, RD as we discussed oh, yeah. previously. Yeah. But but uh, but certainly like you you see a sort of certain level, and I would have played against some really like good players in 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 Dundalk. I think like Ashley Foyt and a couple of others who were who were decent. And like you know you might be an okay player, but you sort of realise that you're just you're just you're just okay if you know what I mean. I guess on another uh, level though, they the would have said, look look what Daniel achieved as a journalist. He's the lead sports writer in the Irish Independent now, and they've they've envy towards you even if they might have been better footballers at under fourteen. Well, yeah, I mean, that hasn't come up since, right. in, 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 in our discussion. Um, right. Possibly, possibly unlikely those sentiments are shared. But listen, I mean, it is, it is, listen, this is the most exciting part of the year, though, where people go out of their comfort zone, you know, their sort of domestic comfort zone, and you find out, you know, you find out things about them. And like some players are, like, you see it even in terms of players going to the UK sometimes, like some players are very comfortable in their own league and their own environment. And, some players suddenly they're really suited to like the European games and maybe, you know, at times, like we always talk about Irish players going overseas, like at times maybe the style of the European games might suit them more than some of the, some of the more rough and tumble League of Ireland matches. As well as that. We don't have too many of those games really nowadays. Like, and, 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 and the interesting thing about it is, John Mountley touched on that last week. We don't know really what the level is this year. Exactly, it's, it's, yeah. The, the, the fear and the suspicion is that maybe because it's so close, it's you know maybe the top sides have dropped off a bit, and then other teams have improved, and maybe you know, and the, the fact the fans have been in is an interesting point, even in terms of how that can impact on intensity and stuff like that. But we'll see if you know the way that our teams play in Europe. You know, is conducive to better results in Europe, even if they may not be as you know as good or as sort of robust as some League of Ireland sides in the past. They maybe have to adapt their style in Europe. I mean, it's an interesting test case, and I think in particular seeing how I think seeing how Bowes and and Sagarovers fare with Dundalk ties a bit different playing a Welsh club, and you know it's slightly different. But I think how, seeing how Bowes and Sagarovers fare, I think, would be very interesting. Yeah, and uh, one person to add to that interest now is um, Icelandic journalist uh, who I spoke to yesterday, um, Vidar Sigurdsson. And Vidar, actually, before he came on, he's he's a, uh, I think he's a sports editor of the the main kind of newspaper in Iceland. And we just had a chat down about trying to keep newspapers going and the marriage of online and all that. And it was everything he said we could completely relate to here. But um, he did then speak off the record a little bit about just the boost that. Um, people got from Iceland's form nationally in recent years, but it hasn't been quite so good for their two teams who are taking on Irish opposition. If it was off the, if it was off the record, you probably shouldn't be detailing that. Ah, yeah, chat, it's, it's, it's benign stuff. It's, been, it's benign stuff. Well, yeah. it's not, it wasn't well, off the record then. It was off. Yeah. The, it was just. I mean, it was just you weren't recording it. It wasn't off the record. 
Um, I actually was recording it, but um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't put it in here for for whatever reason. Okay. Apologies, now the sound quality is great here, but you will hear a video circusing going on about the uh, FHO, obviously, which I somehow got the pronunciation right for, and Starnan um, ahead of the two games against Bowes and Sligo Rovers, respectively. Very badly for the last few weeks, they have only got two points from the last seven matches, and this is the worst spell uh, for the club in this century. Uh, they have been traditionally our best club since 2003, and great experience of playing in, in European competitions and often got very good results. But uh, they have been on uh, on a very bad run, and uh, now as you see, two points from last seven matches is, is not a very good. Why do you think they have uh, performed so poorly in the last while? What players should we look out for? Well, uh, the top goal scorer of the team is Stephen Lennon, a Scottish striker who has been playing here in Iceland for, for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And is one of the, has been one of the best goal scorers in the league for, for a decade. Uh, also, another striker, Matthias Wilhelmsson, he has just returned home after 10 years in Norway. He's a captain of the team and, uh, and a strong uh, forward. Uh, there is also Eggert Jonsson who has a wealth of experience he played for Wolves in the Premier League and uh, for Hearts in Scotland yeah so so plenty of experience yeah he he, he returned to Iceland last year Uh, then there is an exciting uh, young winger Jonathan Jonsson who is uh, not scoring a lot of goals but he is uh, quick and uh, difficult to handle and in terms of Starnan Bohemians, how are Starnan getting on this year? But then they have turned it around and are now in the middle of the table and they have been getting some better results for the last four and five weeks. So at this point, of times, Jarnan is more likely to do something in, in those European matches, I would think. And have have they sort of a good attacking team? Yeah, they have. Uh, they have. Uh, they have a very very clever player, Ilmar Halldorsson, who is playing as a, a attacking midfielder. He scores goals and he creates goals. Yes, he is maybe the most dangerous player. They don't have maybe an out-and-out striker mm. right now. So they had, they had some problems in scoring goals. But they have an experienced team. Yeah, they have uh, they have a, a few very experienced players also. So it's very difficult to, to, to 
see what what exactly they're going to do. But they are on their they, they are slowly on their way up after a terrible start to the season. And is there much um, sort of publicity because it's the first ever renewal of the Conference League? Well, I think people are just looking at it the same old competition. Yeah. And what will the weather be like over there for the Irish teams? Well, Irish teams know a lot about Icelandic football. They've been, Icelandic, Iceland and Ireland have messed a few times for the last few years, and they are always very even matches. Mm. We saw we saw Stjarnan against Samuel Rovers in 2017, 1-0, 1-0, and we say F against Dundorf with two draws, and... That has been the history of those matches, so normally I would expect uh, very tight matches. Uh, but in this case, with both FH and Stjarnan being in the bottom half of the league, they may be not in the best uh, to, to, to tackle the Irish teams right now, I would think. And has there been um, crowds going to games over there? Uh, have there been crowds allowed to go to the games or have they been behind closed doors? Ago. That's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so both teams can have a whole house if they, if they, if there is nothing else. Peter, thanks a million for your for your time and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the reopening of society in Iceland. I have to say, Dan, it brought back memories of. Um our trip to Iceland and there's only one place to start in terms of our trip to Iceland in that we uh, we shared an Airbnb and I made your holiday by buying a pack of Lucky Charms. Now, I hadn't seen Lucky Charms since until the Centra and Rialto recently started selling them for seven <laughs> seven fifty, And it was actually advertised... Like, $7.50 and it was advertised as like a kind of a bargain. Like seven fifty for a small box of cereal that's going to probably kill you. seven fifty, dollars cheaper in Iceland. I was just going to say, it's, it's Icelandic prices. You're sure someone didn't just bring them home from a... But that was a lovely time you had in Iceland. Yeah. Um, but but it's, it's... And and, and the, even the, the, the sort of crackiness of the line there, um, you know, it gives us that sort of European feel. It's like it's not yeah, exactly. quite... You know, it, it, it's, 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 we're, going, we're going about to, to a place where there is no darkness. You know, as we found in Iceland at all hours of the day, it was bright. And I still remember the late... The late great Jim Murphy being in his element there after a big win for Dundalk, and it's interesting. Um, how do you pronounce F H again in the Icelandic? F how? F how? F how? Oh yeah, that, that rings a bell now. F how? Um, you know, interesting listening to um, you know our guests there speak about how you know they, they were the top dogs of the time and how they have sort of fallen on hard times and like, mm. the fact that they're in the bottom half of the table. Like it, that still though points to us. Like it does seem like by, by following the Icelandic results in recent years and who's in Europe, there's a lot more of a level playing field. There's more rotation in terms of who can win the league and who can drop down. So it's an interesting. Talk. I he's imagine not, it's a more structured and egalitarian funding system as well. Now I'm speculating yes. there, but yeah. But, well, um, we saw that after Euro 2016 yeah. in terms of how money was spread out. So, um, you know, so what significance does them being in the bottom half of the table really have? Like I can understand why they wouldn't be optimistic, but uh, I'd be you know, disappointed that, 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 if um, I'd be disappointed if Bowes didn't get the job done. Uh, Sligo 
they might be slightly harder to call with the John Mahan situation, which isn't ideal. But to be fair to Sligo, Dan, I know we spoke with Conor Grady with all these academy players. Their squad's actually pretty strong. And Liam Buckley, in fairness, I, I like the way he he said, it's not about who's not playing, it's about who's playing. Very Stephen Kenny-esque. And he said, like, I don't really have excuses here. We should be good enough to perform. Um, pointed out that they've had some very hit and miss performances in the league. But Sligo have had a great campaign. And again, they should be, they should in theory be a team that plays football suitable to win this side. Listen, their squad is strong in certain areas, but it's the depth isn't there in other areas, you know. Where? And like when there's well, I think defensively is an issue. I think John Matten has a huge loss. Mm. Striking wise, the British, but like even okay, in midfield, I think maybe you just compare it to teams around them, like you know, Bulger and Moran have pretty much played every game. I know Cody's been injured, you know. Um, like I know, I know, listen, they've brought in Seamus Kyo. Like I just think they have great in attacking areas. I mean, Johnny Kenny been missing is a blow, but they can get over that with yeah. the you know, you know, between Gibson, De Vries, Parks, Figuera, you know, um, Mark Byrne, you know, players that can play. But I think defensively, like when you think about the Gary Buckley has become a center half, he's converted into a center half and he's done a good job of it. And Shane Blaney, um, who's come home, like. You know, you're one or two injuries away, like in that game, from being in bother. You know, and so like that's I think Martin is a huge, is a huge issue for them. Um, and I think that that's that's a real concern because he's been so good for them as well. He's a sort of a veteran figure on the pitch with them, as even though he's only 21, 22, as Greg Bulger mentioned recently. So that's a concern. But listen, teams are going to have injuries, and like if if that knocks them, if that knocks them in such a way that they don't get through, well, then clearly you know there's a weakness there. You know what I mean? So. Um, they, I think they're good enough and again the way they play and the way they're encouraged to play the fact they haven't been in Europe in recent years you would hope wouldn't be a sort of a, an issue for them ah, yeah. and quite a few of their players like you know a couple of their players would have been involved in European campaigns so like I, I certainly I'd be optimistic enough on the. I actually when the draw was made I thought FH would just naturally be the tougher tie because of their name Um but it seems like Sharon, as he as mentioned there are, you literally a called them FHO like uh, two minutes ago and you've gone back to FH, FH. Or- F how, F So I, I think actually they're, they're, they're both very interesting ties. Um, um, but before we move on to the, the domestic matters, I suppose uh, we should do our quiz question. Well, it is related. It's almost like um, our quiz question this week is a bit like, um, you know, you, you watch a video uh, of something and then you're told afterwards, like, uh, you know, uh, what what was she wearing in the video? What was he wearing in the video? It's like, have you been paying attention to this show? Because the answer to the quiz question is contained in an earlier segment. The question well, is... There you go. Thanks to Four Star Pizza, who uh, won't mind me bringing up... Um, do you remember a Wicked Game by Chris Isaac? Remember that for a music video? Oh, what a tune. The video as well. Mm. I mean... Four Star oh, Pizza won't sul- mind being associated with that. Sul- sul- sultry. sultry. Yeah. Sultry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, why, 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 why do you mention Wicked Game? Sorry, why you're not about like oh, looking at videos and remembering old blah blah blah, you know. So, do you remember part? <laughs> what, what, what's the question anyway? Why they came into my head? <laughs> I, I just don't know. I, I assumed Wicked Game, and before we move on to that, I thought there was some Wicked Game Chris Isaac related mention, but you, you didn't, you don't, you don't have one. Alina okay. Crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that's it. Was yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say, you know. She, might have been at a couple of European ties in her time. But anyway, let's move on. The question is, which former League of Ireland player is playing for an Icelandic club against one of our Irish representatives in European competition this week? 
Nice. So, there we go. There is the come question. Up with, come up with a good uh, question there. Thanks to Four Star for their continued sponsorship. Congratulations to Graydon as well, Rovers fan who uh, won the pizza last week and hopefully. No, did, uh, he, did he win it last week? No, he, did, he, won, he? he won it. No, it was, was it two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Someone else uh, won it last week. Well, it wasn't one of our mates, though. It wasn't one of our mates, I don't think. That's that's I, I actually I can yeah I've just forgotten now because I sent a batch them out uh, this week having been slightly delayed and um anyway so four star pizza that that's that's a good question Dan and we've three games yeah, in in the Premier Division Finn Harps Waterford Pat Derry both Friday um that's a massive game for Waterford who I, I think kind of bring Finn Harps slightly into the equation in terms of relegation battle if they win Longford draw that Longford I mean they say this every week they really need to pick up. A point or two, uh, first division games, which I will have in a moment. I know that Galway United are hosting Cove Ramblers, Cork City. What can you say about Cork? Losing to Treaty at home mm. last weekend, hosting Bray Wanderers. Treaty hosting Shells, who got a late winner against Cabin Teeley last week. Cabin Teeley home to Athlone, UCD Wexford. Yeah, um, I mean, Finn Harps, I suppose, are probably still chewing over that first goal and draw the last week, aren't mm. they? Mm. Um, the, the controversy around that where the ball was knocked out of play um, and, and Drada played on from the restart, got a corner and got a goal. Um, I mean, it, it's quite often that members of the Harps management team are sent to the sideline, but it feels in this instance you can understand you can understand why that happened really, can't yeah. you? Is there a tallying up procedure for that? Like, you know, penalty points for putting you off the road? Like, if you if you get sent to the stand, like, 78 times in the space of a couple of years, do you... Well, they have, yeah, they have, they have read and well, see, there's red and yellow cards now, so it's mm. it's sort of subject. I mean, we had Dara Doyle with a three-game ban at one stage, didn't we? Like, they're, they, they, they've tried to bring them into the disciplinary process a bit more, um, but clearly, like, yeah, Harps have just, they've just dropped off a small bit, all right, haven't they? You know, and Waterford, like Mark Bertram was speaking last week before the Derry game about how they tried to register a load of players beforehand and they couldn't. Um, so we're going to see a sort of a a new Waterford side this week in yeah. some respects. Um, Don Hutchinson's son playing for them. Do you remember him for Liverpool, Dan? I do, I do, I do. In West Ham, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we'll have to get Mark Bertram on in, in the next while because he's... Um, He's got a few stories to tell for sure. He has. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think you know long for Drada. Yeah, I mean like, I mean, Drada are, are sort of, I don't know, like Drada. But they 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 had a, that run of back to back defeats prior to the draw in Tala, but they're just you know steadily picking up points. And you sort of wonder even with the other teams being involved in Europe, they in the back <laughs> of their heads do they think they could somehow sneak into the top four? It, it's it's sorry, unlikely. Six, six six defeats from nineteen games is absolutely yeah. phenomenal going for a, a for a promoted team that doesn't have a massive budget. That's phenomenal going. Yeah, no, it is. It is. And then you know, and I think you know, they, if they keep beating the teams, they Verticama should beat. You know, like it's just it's interesting to see where where it takes them to at the end of the season. It may well be that they just end up with a very strong mid table finish, but. You know, it's an interesting time of year where other clubs get involved in Europe and, and how that affects them. And, and obviously that brings us to Pats and Derry, which is the, the main game on Friday night, as you mentioned. Um, and, you know, Pats now have an opportunity after the disappointment of the Bowes game, you know, two red cards, so they've got two suspensions. Quality of the Bowes and that game, I'm telling you, it was like, um, I know that... Like so Pats you mentioned were... it. Yeah, Pearl Key Long there, you know, you, you threw him off there saying McClellan's goal was probably the best. I'm not sure if it was better than Tyreek Wilson's. 
yeah, to be honest. It, it was a question of in fairness, like if you watch the, the the normal view of that, which is obviously the probably the only view you can get, that's a daisy cutter. That's like, well, Tyreek Wilson's actually it's a good question for the league. Ah, it's, a hip, it's, a, it's a hipster. Is it a hipster choice? It's not as if Burt's goal was a bad goal. Like Burt's goal was no. Um, there was just quality of the strikes and like Tyreek Wilson's I, I really like him as a player but McKellen Wilson's had only come off the bench um, nah, if, you're, if, if you put it to a, if you put it to a test I think Wilson would and, you know there's still a technique aspect in that which was superb McKellen like the fact he did it with nine men is sort of uh, add something to it but We're rambling here about, but uh, it was all about oh, double, double D on the night Dawson Devoy and he has to produce it now for Bows in Europe the stage is set for the for the wee man from County Mead I'm, I, I'm rambling Mr. Wicked Game Chris Isaac for no what apparent reason in the game, middle of <laughs> um, funny funny just, just a, simple, this is a really stupid ending to the show as ever but I heard that tune um, on the radio coming back from school one day and in those days obviously there was no Shazam there was no anything didn't know who sang it didn't know anything about the song there was, only there was only shivin there was only shivin couldn't only get shivin. it out of my head no for Shazam months and, and months and months and months and months and then the second time I heard it it was like oh my god there's that tune I I, I thought I might never hear it again and uh, when, when did you see the video first? Um, when, when, when electricity came in sometime in around <laughs> <laughs> late dickety do at which time <laughs> which was the style at the time dance be great having you on well, I mean, okay, I was just going to say the Pat's Derry game. I, I, I mean, I can't believe we've got through the Pat's Derry game without you throwing in your now mandatory reference to the young coaches in the league. I know, but You yeah. even got it into Keita. This is like one of your go-to questions of the year. It's like, what about all these young coaches? In it fact, does for fascinate the time we, me, actually. It, it, so, I, mean, it, 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 I think it fascinates you more than, than a young Johnny Ward hearing this sort of alluring song on the radio like and wondering Isaac. what am I like you know so 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 young Instead coaches Helena Chris is, is we know all about Ollie Horgan like <laughs> well yeah. he wouldn't be one of the younger coaches it's more about O'Donnell Higgins Clancy I think it's an interesting game for Derry I think just to it see is. how they uh, you know can they expose a Pat side that's you know that that that's down a few bodies and coming off of of a, of a bit of a defeat I mean think about Derry there's so many changes to the squad and obviously talk about Patrick McElhenney going there and. There's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of movement in Derry. Um, and obviously there's a challenge between managing that movement and having a bit of stability through the, uh, the July window in terms of performances. Because again, are Derry probably too far back to get into the European picture? You would think probably so. But again, you the know... five points off Bowes. Well, I, I, just, I was just going to say, you no, know, but this is my point. Like, I, You would think in a way that that's the case, not so much because of points, it's because of the fact that he's trying to overhaul the squad and I'm not yeah. sure if it's necessarily like a, a priority. It's more about getting next season, I think. But any team in this league, I was just going to say, any team in this league, because teams are taking points off each other, any team that wins four or five games in a row, like it's going to dramatically improve their situation. Uh, so so nothing is out of the question. So um, we shall see what happens. But um, yeah, sorry for um, sorry for cutting across you as you tried to finish off. Every, the show. every week we're trying to shorten the length of the show, and we just end up like the the, the, the wicked game stuff was entirely unnecessary. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a slightly amusing interlude, and I'm I'm am, I am a sop for nostalgia. But I mean, we've just gone on again, and we've probably probably lost a lot of listeners in the last two minutes. Well, listen for those who've stayed with us. Thanks for staying with us. <laughs> And, and we will be back next week for um, analysis of football games as well as, as well as wicked ones. And thanks to futuretickling.ie for being our sponsor. And hopefully next week we'll be talking to you on the back of good results from Bose, Dundalk and Sligo Rovers. Mm-hmm.